and welcome back to Garbage Film. This is the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies can coexist. They have a lot in common, and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we'll take this week's movie and pair it with something artier or trashier, and I hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least get some entertainment out of the deal. Uh, with me, as always, is the poet to my stupid fucking white man, Aaron, is here, and I'm your other host, Nick. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. I was so excited to call myself a stupid fucking white man that I, uh, forgot a, to say who I was. It's a good life. It's okay. We know all we need to know. <laughs> I, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a, oh, a stupid thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dumb way to talk. Uh, uh, how you doing? I'm great. I'm sad that we're saying goodbye to our Westerns month. I yeah. do I do really enjoy them. I hope that is <laughs> clear. <laughs> hope everyone is on the same page now. I've picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is our final episode of the month with no name, if this is uh, your first time joining us. With uh, our fourth episode on the Western genre. Mm -hmm. And this week is definitely on the artier side, I would say, of our... I would say so. This is Dead Man from 1995. I want him brought here to me. Alive or dead, don't matter. What name were you given at birth, stupid white man? I'm William Blake. And you are a dead man. Do you know how to use this weapon? Not really. That weapon will replace your tongue. You will learn to speak through it. And your poetry will now be written with blood. You William Blake? Yes, I am. Do you know my poetry? superhero deadman <laughs> his powers are dying, dying. <laughs> being dead staying dead <laughs> killing others <laughs> actually that part's kind of true uh, yeah he gives death to others That's there you a, go yep. oh what a gift <laughs> Just wanted to say a brief disclaimer before we get into the movie itself. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, definitely recommend. Virtually Obviously. any movie we will cover here, we recommend. Yep. Um, but uh, this movie has a lot to do with First Nations cultures in the U.S., a subject we are definitely not authorities on. No. We are two white settler people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a settler type like us and you need a starting point to learn about indigenous people that live in your area and maybe some history and context about them, uh, we recommend exactly that, starting in your area. Go for it. Great place to start. There's a lot of interpretive centers around depending on where you're at in North America that can kind of help guide and provide that context and history for uh, yeah, this period of North American history that we're talking about today. And uh, Indeed. Yeah, that's my little disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, so, Dead Man, Deadman from 1995. This is directed and written by Jim Jarmusch. I assume that Jim is short for a Jiminy or a Jimothy. I can't it's... believe you've already named two things that aren't right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jim uh... Stiffer. <laughs> I have nothing. This is actually it's harder than it seems. Yeah. You were good. I All was right. prepared. Yeah. <laughs> If you look at my notes, it says Jiminy. Oh, God. Uh, so far off the tracks already. Anyway. Anyway. 
uh, directed and written by that guy, starring Johnny Depp, local boy Gary Farmer, Woo. Crispin Glover, Lance Henriksen. I'm going to say the whole cast because it rules. Okay, yeah, it does rule. Michael Wincott, Eugene Bird, John Hurt, the last movie of Robert Mitchum, yeah. Iggy Pop, Gabriel Byrne, Billy Bob Thornton, Jared Harris, Millie Avital, Billy Bob Thornton, Alfred Molina. The hits keep coming. <laughs> I'm 90% sure you said Billy Bob Thornton twice because it is a little inconceivable that Billy Bob Thornton is in this movie. So you just have to drive that home. I did say it twice. Yeah. yeah this is the most chaotic <laughs> cast ever assembled. Truly. Every scene where you meet a new person, it's, it's one of those guys that are like, oh, this guy. Oh, that always makes you really happy when they show up. Totally. Every character. <laughs> yes. Every single person in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's wild. The music is famously by another local boy, Neil Young. Yeah, Neil Young. Big in the news these days. True. For for the reasons that I feel like he probably took this project. Just like... Yes. Yeah, we, we don't need to be authorities on... <laughs> it's on fine. Yeah. I don't know much about Neil Young. I think I know a single good. song. Yeah. Local boy again. Local boys. Our local boys in this movie. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about what happens in this movie then. Mm-hmm. This is, I don't often talk about cinematographers. I only cut that this is a Robbie Mueller. 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 Yeah, Mueller one. Which is. I assume it's Mueller. Yeah. Because of the little two dots. Nope. And that's, a, yep, that's right. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be in charge of the language descriptions in this movie. <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, but yeah, very cool black and white uh, action going on here. Very stark, very crisp. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, William Blake is an accountant from Cleveland who is in a clown suit, as people constantly point out. <laughs> it's a very loud plaid suit. Like, it's in black and white, but you know that it's the brightest color in the room at all times. I have seen some color pictures of this suit. Oh, have you? It looks like Christmas. It's just like bright <laughs> green and red. <laughs> I wonder, they had to have, like, chosen those colors so they, they would show up well on black and white film. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and it's, like, it's period appropriate. That's what you, uh, dandy would look like. That is a motherfucking dandy suit. Yep. yep. He is riding by train to the frontier company town of Machine to take up a promised accounting job in the town's metalworks. Uh, during the trip, he... <laughs> The opening is like 10 minutes of, it feels like 10 minutes, of silence as he just sees like more uh, wilderness dressed people. Yeah, you can tell like he's kind of drifting in and out, sleeping a little on the train and you can tell the stops that they've been to, like people get off and then the people get on, that get on are increasingly dressed in like furs or like have not showered or are (laughs) carrying guns. Like it just gets more and more wildernessy. And showing that lack of civilization, Crispin Glover is there. (laughs) (laughs) The least crazy he's ever looked, by the way. And he has a face full of soot in this one. So he's the train driver or the... uh, The fireman is what they're called, which is not the guy that puts out the fire. He's the guy that makes the fire that makes the train go. (laughs) He warns Blake against uh, going to machine. Says it sucks, basically. Yeah. Uh, Not what you want to hear. Yep, and then in case you were under any qualms about what this movie was about, everybody then leans out the window and shoots a pile of buffalo. Yeah. Like, oh, brutal, cool. Oh, neat. I'm talking about how the government has already killed, like, a million buffalo. This was, you know, there was a quota, I don't think is yeah. the right word, but... But uh, there was, like, a price for, for killing them. Yeah. But then we arrive in town, and Blake, I love his walk-through machine where it's all skulls and dirt and mud, and everybody points guns at him and hates him. Even a pig... Uh, is mean to him. Gets in his way, yeah. <laughs> He's scared of the pig. Yeah. He's just, like, clutching his little briefcase. He's the cleanest thing around, for yep. sure. 
Yeah. It's, it's... They do not want him. Uh, but he gets to the accounting office, and John Hurt very rudely tells him that, Job's filled, you're a month late, buddy. Yeah, he's like, no, I have a letter. Like, that letter is two months old. We yeah. had to fill the post. And like, yeah... This is how things function at this time. Yep. yep it would and take you. You came from Cleveland. And it's kind of implied this is the town of Machine is somewhere in like Arizona, maybe? I think so. It's definitely... Southern. Yeah. Maybe not Southern, but like more Midwest. But it's definitely like I you think went the, train, the hell west. Yeah. I think the train ride is that, right? Like at the time, the civilized coast mm. was the East Coast. And right. as you went farther west, it was the old fucking west, you know? And kind of hammering that point home, William Blake is like, yeah, I'm going to talk to the manager. Show me John Dickinson. And he barges into his office and Robert Mitchum points a shotgun in his mouth and <laughs> tells him to leave. And I love Robert Mitchum in this because he is just having the time of his fucking life. He's so funny. Yeah. He's so growly and, and, yeah, gets to smoke a cigar and point a rifle at anyone he wants all the time. You like, can I tell him know. he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen Mitchum in a Western, but he just fully is like, oh, he's the Old West. That's that's yes. your guy. <laughs> Everyone's face in this is definitely like when you picture the denizens of an Old West mm-hmm. town, like frontier town. Yeah, everyone's got it. He's so craggly. Yeah, John he's Hurt too. The... Same deal. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's basically like, fuck off or I'll shoot you. Yeah, with a smooth, oh, cool. soft Johnny Depp walking around. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That huge oil painting of Robert Mitchum, I want that so bad. It's great. This is a real, like, J. Jonah Jameson where he's posing in front of his own <laughs> The Timothy Dalton and Hot Fuzz. Exactly <laughs> right, yeah. All of that. <laughs> it's a great gag. It never goes wrong. So great. Love it. So uh, Blake is jobless and has no money or prospects. So rough yeah. start for our little boy. Yeah. Uh, he goes to a bar where he can't afford him as much booze as he wants. And he meets Thel Russell, who's Millie Avatar. She is, uh, we get like a one sentence backstory of she was a former prostitute who now sells paper flowers. Yeah, like, that's it. That's, Not doing very well at it. And that's what you could do in a frontier town as a woman, basically. I guess, yeah. yeah. It's kind of implied, too, that she made a lot more money as a prostitute than as a crafts yeah. woman, like making these flowers. One of the things that I love, and we'll get into this, is that everyone has such an interesting backstory, almost except Johnny Depp. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? The He's, most boring man alive. Yeah, we're just watching infinitely more interesting people <laughs> than him, but through his eyeballs. But it works great, though, because then you're, I love not, it. you're not worried about him. You can just see the character. Totally. Anyway. Uh, so Johnny Depp gets lucky with Thel, and as they're, you know, hanging in bed afterward, Thel's former lover, Charlie, surprises them in bed, and after a very sad standoff... <laughs> Extremely sad. Uh, he shoots at Blake, hits Thel, but the bullet passes through her and into him. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Gabriel Byrne. Also. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't recognize the first go around, mm. for sure. But. He's not in a ton of stuff, but he's very good in this. He's just so, like, sad sack, and he's like, it's fine, you've moved on, I'll yeah. leave. And then she says something. She says, oh, well, I never loved you anyway. Right, and so he just turns slowly back around and takes out his gun and tries to murder them both. Yeah. I changed my mind. <laughs> you've convinced me to act. And again, very sad standoff. Johnny Depp misses him twice before hitting him. Yeah, he's got a gun too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't shoot. Blake is losing blood, getting dizzy, and falls out a window with his clothes and rides off into the night stealing a horse, which yeah. is very important, it turns out. Yes, it turns out. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you just reminded me the the thing of like hangdog look on Gabriel Byrne and how good the cast is in this. Yeah. I think that's... 
you have such good actors in these tiny, tiny roles because yes. they're all doing that thing where they can bring that backstory with totally just a look on their face or a line or whatever yes like, the you don't know who this person is when he walks in the door but in the two minutes or whatever that he's on screen you it, this the emotional weight mm. of him coming back and finding her with someone else is like you watched their whole story yeah yeah it's good and i mean at this point we're describing what acting is but yeah I mean, it's just <laughs> it really is very good you guys. they did it so good you guys <laughs> they're really very good actors. <laughs> so blake rides into the wilderness and we find out that Charlie was company owner Dickinson's son. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So Robert Mitchum uh, collects three legendary frontier killers. Cole Wilson, who we find out later is a psychotic cannibal. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was trying do. to think of a way to couch that, but no. No, that's it. That's what he is. Conway Twill, who will not shut up. And Johnny the Kid Pickett, who is the kid one. Yeah, he's 14, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're tasked with bringing Blake back dead or alive. Mm. Yeah. But the important part here is that Dickinson wants the horse back. Yeah. Like his son and his son's former fiance have just been shot and killed. And the thing that he puts out on the telegram is find the man riding this horse. Bring the horse back safe. It's a wonderful horse. I love the horse. I know what a the pinto is. The man you is. can dead or alive. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to call the horse a pinto. Oh, yeah. There movie. you go. Yeah, yeah. Constantly talking pinto about it. Pinto horse. Yeah. He fucking loves that horse. <laughs> so, real priorities, guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the wilderness, Blake awakens to find a large First Nations man, and this is Gary Farmer, who I will talk about a lot, mm-hmm. uh, attempting to dislodge the bullet from his chest. And I say, that oh. makes it sound fancier than it is. He's stabbing him with a knife to get yeah, the Yeah, he's trying to lever the bullet out of his the sternum yeah. with a knife. And this is how Blake awakens, is to the feeling of a knife inside his chest. Yeah, inside his bullet wound. Yeah. is just, Oh, we don't like it. Uh, he calls himself nobody, and he reveals that the bullet is too close to Blake's heart to remove, and Blake is effectively a walking dead man. There's your, there's your title. Da-da-da. We did it. Uh, when he learns uh, that the white man he's helping is named William Blake, nobody decides that Blake is the reincarnation of a poet named William Blake, who he kind of idolizes the words of. Um, loves his poetry, yeah. loves his paintings. He's like, no, shut up. Are you? <laughs> Seriously, no, no way. For real? <laughs> it's uh, really good. But uh, William Blake doesn't know who this poet is, so he's just like, I, I'm going to I mean, that's my name. I'm dying. I, yeah, <laughs> please help me. Uh, but he decides to care for Blake using like traditional methods to uh, help ease him into death. Is, yes, yeah. help prepare the way. He's like, no, you're fucked. Like that bullet lives next to your heart. You you haven't got long, but I'll I'll prepare your way to the next world. On the walk that uh, nobody takes them on, Blake learns about uh, nobody's past, which is marked by several flavors of racism. Um, you've got <laughs> yeah, the First Nations tribal uh, stuff tied up in there, and classic yeah. white racism colonial stuff his parents are from two different nations yeah. that do not like each other so he yeah. wasn't welcome in either one then he got captured yeah while well, he's out on a hunt Englishman? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, english soldiers captured him and brought uh presented him as an exhibition in real things i'm sorry if this is how you're finding out about human Ooh, zoos yeah but uh, they were definitely real. Um, so he got toured around North America. Then got As a taken... model savage. Yep. Got taken to England where pe- like English people would fan themselves with excitement upon seeing a not white person. A I guess. red man. Yeah. So after his stay there, he gets briefly, quote unquote, educated 
by white people before escaping and returning home, where his stories of the white man and his culture were laughed off by his fellow tribesmen, so yet another reason to, to hate the guy that they already hate. Um, yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, you went to England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Over the big ocean. Oh, you read books? Sure. They don't have books there. So uh, he that's uh, where nobody learned about William Blake and all that. Yes. But it, upon returning home, that's where he gained his name that he does not like, which is, which is Exabiche. Uh, and uh, the little translation of which is revealed to be he who talks loud, saying nothing, you're, they're just calling him a liar. That's, yeah, they're just calling him a blowhard, essentially. Yeah. That's your name. That sucks. That's your name. Yeah, I'd choose nobody over that. Yeah, you know what? Forget it. I'm nobody. Uh, so the plan is nobody's going to take him to the Pacific Ocean to return him to his proper place in the spirit world. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know if nobody thinks that he is literally the reincarnation of William Blake, and he's like, oh, we got to get you back up there, buddy. You're lost. <laughs> You're not in the right neighborhood. <laughs> or if it's like, oh, this guy has the soul of William Blake, and he's dying, so i got to take him back to, to where William Blake's soul That's is That's how I take it, is like the... <sighs> He, he he needs to return to where he came from. Mm-hmm. So yes, you know, he's he's got the the spirit of William Blake and yeah. he's he's here on Earth again. And yeah, I don't know what the Blackfoot take on reincarnation is. Yeah, I don't know either. But I that's how I take it. Yeah. Does that make sense to yep. you? Yeah. I like that. It's not like, oh, William Blake, the literal poet, what are you doing here? More like, oh, you're you're the spirit of William Blake, you've been reincarnated yeah. and now that i've given it two seconds thought i 100 agree oh, and great. i think you're right <laughs> great talking with you as always uh so with that being the plan they travel west and north uh otherwise <laughs> known as northwest wow oh my god uh <laughs> leaving a trail of dead behind them uh yes blake is just firing off constantly it's really funny too because he was as we mentioned not good with a gun no. when he Basically, almost by accident, shoots Charlie Dickinson. Take some time to hone in on how yeah. the gun works. Yep. Yeah. But he takes that gun with him when he flees, and he wakes up, and, like, nobody sees that he has it. And do you know how to use that? And he's like, not really. He's like, be careful. It will become your tongue. You yeah. will learn to speak through it. Yeah. And, yeah, he gets good with it very quickly because that is the only tool that he has. Yep. That's the only way he has to, like, resolve, you know problems and i love how into uh when he asked him like did you kill a white man with this gun off the bed nobody is so into like yes you did it you're uh, my friend now all right you're in <laughs> uh so as they're traveling they keep encountering wanted posters with a more haggard looking william blake as time goes on with <laughs> it's bigger a good amounts. gag yeah he, his hair gets scragglier and he gets dirtier <laughs> on the wanted posters uh, so nobody leaves Blake alone in the wild to have a sort of vision quest, finding himself kind of kind of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody just... is having the vision, not Blake. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. When the character's name is nobody, it makes it hard <laughs> to parse. It's very so it's funny. Language. It is very funny. Yeah. Nobody takes some peyote and, and yep. wanders off. He sure does. Uh, so Blake is alone to kind of find his way. On his way, he kills two U.S. Marshals, experiences visions of uh, nature that were unbeknownst to him before. Mm-hmm. And he, in a very, really, really touching, and this is one of those like, that this sticks with me for a long time, His uh, he grieves over a dead fawn that was killed accidentally by his pursuers. It's yes. just like, that like, there's no words, but it feels very like, oh, death isn't just a thing that happens to me or I do to others. It's... 
in this world everywhere. Yeah, Shit. it's part of the fabric of life. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. Giddy up. <laughs> uh, so he paints his face with the fawn's blood. I take that as a like to not forget to internalize that message. Sure. And uh, he rejoins nobody, accidentally interrupting coitus. <laughs> nobody has like ended his little spirit quest by hooking up with a girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> this is very funny. <laughs> and it just looks like a bear, but it's the woman is wearing a bear skin. It'd be cold. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's fucking freezing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. good stuff. He uh, interrupts a very romantic moment, and nobody is like, ah, you silly idiot. <laughs> and I feel like the way I'm talking about this movie, it sounds very serious. This is a very funny movie. And there's a lot of very funny shit this in is, it, yeah. This is a real, like, bro, what are you doing? Come on, man. <laughs> Don't bear I was me. busy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the bounty hunting team has been following them throughout, with Conway Twill constantly talking. Uh, the result of which is Cole Wilson, the psychotic cannibal, has killed both of his companions and eaten them. Yeah, it does not take much. <laughs> At- to be fair, Conway is so annoying. <laughs> he is. So God. annoying. <laughs> oh, you know what? I skipped over... He's very funny, but he's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things of like, I'm glad it's in little spurts. Yes, otherwise exactly. I'd be like, you gotta shut this guy up. <laughs> <laughs> Please shoot and eat him. Please. I skipped over uh, talking about um, Sally's camp where Iggy Pop and Billy Bob Thornton Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Just a fantastic scene. Yeah, just some frontiersmen. Like, they're... I don't know. It's kind of implied that when they find travelers out in the woods, they do kill them and take their stuff because they start, like, you know, Blake goes and sits down and is like, can I have some food? They're like, for sure, yeah. Hey, what size are your your boots? And, like, really pawing over him and, yeah. Literally pawing, yeah. Yes, yeah. Like, wow, your hair's so soft. How do you get it like that? Like, oh, no, they're going to kill me, aren't they? (laughs) The thing that reminded me was talking about how funny this movie is because that is such a funny scene. Billy Bob Thornton fucking kills me in that. Iggy Pop is very funny, too. Yeah. The third guy whose name I forget. Jared Harris. Jared Harris is also good. (laughs) (laughs) They're just sitting around complaining how they're getting old and stuff. Like, I can't drink whiskey like I used to could. (laughs) These beans don't taste very good. I tried my best. Well, I'm not a goddamn cook, am I? Iggy Pop and his bonnet. Uh, Anyway, I just want to bring that up. Characters. Good. You should. (laughs) But back at the plot, we get to a trading post where a bigoted missionary, and this is a great turn by Alfred Molina, uh, identifies Blake after treating the white man nice and the First Nations man bad. Yeah, nobody asks to buy some tobacco, and he's like, we're out. And then Blake asked to buy some tobacco. He's like, we probably have some in the bag. Like, okay, man, we're both standing right here. And uh, yeah, so Melina recognizes Blake, tries to kill him. Blake kills him right back. <laughs> and uh, we're moving right along. Blake gets shot again. Yeah, I mean, the posters are everywhere, yeah. right? Like anyone that he encounters is probably knows who he is and wants, wants to shoot him and bring him back for the reward. <laughs> Nobody's just deadpan. I can't remember the exact line. He was like, oh, getting better acquainted with white man steel, eh? Yeah, you're, you've collected another piece of white man's metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just keep getting shot, buddy. Blake's just like, yep, yeah, can we go? Losing a lot of blood. <laughs> uh, so nobody hurries Blake along in a canoe to a Macaw tribe village. Uh, and this is something I looked up afterward just out of curiosity. This is unrelated to the other two tribes. So this is a yeah. like neutral ground kind of kind of place which I think mm. is interesting. Oh, like politically? Yeah. So like ah. somewhere that doesn't hate nobody, basically. Oh. Yeah. Poor buddy. Uh, and he convinces the tribe to give him a canoe for Blake's ship burial. 
uh, Delirious Blake is trudging through the village, and we get a. I love this scene because it's a great mirror of the opening, yeah. where just obviously a big part of this movie is to subvert a lot of Western stuff, and you have sure. the the civilized quote unquote town, which is just this muddy place overrun with death and bones, piles of bones, puddles of piss, just rude like... pigs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then in this town, he's walking along, and it's just like, oh, this is just like a nice town. They're... Yeah, it's there. There's still like they're a sea, you know, they're a Pacific Northwest mm. village, and but they're the piles of bones are still there, but they're using them to make things. Yeah, they build boats. They build like like the village is is designed to incorporate them. So it's just a funny like a very circle of life moment. Well, yeah, you mentioned already talking about death as a fab- part of a fabric of life. This mm-hmm. is this exact illustration of this exact thing. It's totally. Great. And then there, I think it's a longhouse. That sweet portal that is the coolest that fucking rules they've built this like elaborate fucking stage entrance into the (laughs) the main house of the village and yeah the doors swing open it's a bird beak right like the bird beak splits open and the tongue comes out and you walk onto the tongue and it takes you in it's fantastic so cool i love it um yeah, so Blake just passes out. He's got lots of uh, people staring at him because I assume in this village, a lot of those people probably have not seen a white man before. It's on the other side of the continent. Yeah. yeah it's probably their first time. Yep. Most of them. So Although Blake... there's there's sort of like, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. there's there's bits and bobs like there's a singer sewing machine in oh, yeah. kind of the detritus of the, the village, like <laughs> in a, a garbage pile basically somewhere and like... Yeah, like people people pass through. There's yeah. been tons of you know. There's training posts. Trainers, and, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was fun. I just I love that whole that whole scene that whole set piece. Mm-hmm. It's really like this is very cool a rewatch that we did and like coming back to that scene was like yeah I want to get there get, get to, to the, the village bird. get to the bird <laughs> bird face bird face. <laughs> so Blake awakens in a canoe on a beach wearing traditional funeral dress and covered in um oh I forgot the word pine branches cedar boughs cedar boughs that's the word yeah. <laughs> Like my synonyms, my thesaurus there. <laughs> you like how I just said what you said, but fancier to make you look bad? That's what nobody said. That's what I wanted. So <laughs> thank you for... You're so welcome. <laughs> uh, nobody and Blake say goodbye to each other. Uh, nobody pushes the canoe out to the sea. Blake just keeps trying to watch, like lean forward to watch. And uh, the bounty hunter, Cole, gets behind nobody. He's tracked them. And uh, they shoot each other dead. At the same time, basically. They both fall, collapse on the shore at the same time. And Blake goes off to the ocean and presumably the spirit world. Yes. (laughs) He lost a lot of blood. Yes, he did. So that's our incredibly bleak movie. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I don't find it that bleak. No, I don't either. I think the way that the... It could be so maudlin and bleak, but the way that the subject matter is approached and obviously this big part of the reason of the movie is it's 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 putting a new spin on that from yeah a classic western people games. die guys yeah. yeah it's not the greatest tragedy in the world yep it's happened to literally every person ever yeah <laughs> sorry if this is how you're finding out about that <laughs> yeah yeah i love this movie i mm. think it's such a cool like i had no idea what i was really what it was going to be when i watched it all like oh it's like a little trippy it's really not that no. Trippy. They mention peyote, I think, and that's about as close yeah. as you get. And then the yeah. rest is like, he's so hungry that he is dizzy. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much just wandering. And like, I think a lot of the, the oh, acid western, like a lot of that stems from Neil Young's soundtrack, to be oh, honest, yeah. because Neil Young, you may be moving into this, but it's mm. all improvised. Yes. 
Um, right. It's very just like reactive to what's going on. on very much. And like by design. Yes. Very much that way. So it feels it feels very hypnotic in that way, but it's not trippy. Yeah. Like he, nobody takes peyote, sees a vision, like just looks at Blake and sees a skull mask kind of pass briefly over his face. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the sum total of like the acid drip shit that you see. Yeah. Right? And I mean, like, if this was in the 70s, I'd be like, whoa, yeah, trippy. But it's from the 90s, so it's pretty recent that it's like, yeah, yeah, you could have done trippier things if that's what you wanted to do. Yes, it's not about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So kind of mentioned lots of this. As far as I'm aware, this is the gold standard for, like, a Hollywood movie approaching First Nations cultures historically, like that, <laughs> the, in the Western setting. Sure, say. sure, sure. Yeah, I think that this is something that you wanted to mention, but I like that uh, there's a lot of unsigned subtitled Korean Blackfoot um, language conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, speci- no subtitles. Yeah, and they're specifically put in there as inside jokes, uh, allegedly. I don't know the translations of the stuff. I I tracked down, well, tracked down. I googled mm. um, whether anyone had taken a crack at this and yes a like a professor of cree i think hmm. um studies at university of alberta Ooh. Uh, the most of it is nobody's girlfriend like yelling at him yes. <laughs> about basically we can't have nice things it's bit like <laughs> you promised me a child you're supposed to be this big virile man and you got nothing i have nothing from you you piece of shit like it's just <laughs> you know and he's just like sweetie no my angel like get don't touch me we are going to talk about this later and she stumps off into the woods and she's, he's just like no come back <laughs> like it's pretty it's pretty funny but i gather the the like inside jokes or the whatever are just the way the 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 phrasing and like the words that she uses yeah that's right um, some pun on bear i, I don't uh, know what it is exactly but yeah but i assume probably to do with like big viral man bear probably thing. Yeah. yeah yeah nice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's it's really um it does not take you out of the movie experience. Do you know what not I mean? You're all. not like, ah, and now I'm watching the part of the movie where they tell me what the other bit... Like, you're just, like like we said earlier, you're just watching this world go by like William Blake is. Which is to say, don't speak Blackfoot. Yeah. Don't speak... What is it? Siksika? The, the language. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, I like that a lot. That's great. Yeah. I wanted to mention that there's a villain of behind the scenes stuff, as always. Oh, gracious. Uh, Out of I, the, like, making of the movie? The distributing of the movie, because I, mm. after we found this and watched it, I had a real, like, why the hell don't people know about this movie moment? Sure, okay. And there's a very specific reason oh, why. Oh, God, there always is. And okay. I bet you can guess who it involves. Oh, motherfucker! It's the villain of the entire world. Uh, Weinstein! Yep, the Weinstein Bros, they bought it for distribution because it didn't have any North American distribution. Okay. It won tons of awards in Europe. Uh, I bet. It's great. And it didn't get shit here because the Weinsteins were like, oh yeah, we're going to throw this whole thing out, recut it as an action movie. Oh, bar. Yeah. <laughs> Puke. How, literally how? And Jarmusch was like, there's no way I'm letting you touch anything. And they're like, well, it's in our contract that we can change stuff. And he's like, no, it's not. It's in my contract that you can't change anything. So good luck. <laughs> So have fun, idiot. Uh, and their response was, okay, well then, I guess you don't get any marketing money. Sorry. Uh, oh, and and uh, Johnny Depp, to his credit, he's not a good dude. Uh, to his credit, he was like, I will just do three free months of press for this movie. Oh, wow. Don't okay. pay me for anything. I'm just going to do it. And they signed him on to do that. They set up all the press junkets and they changed the release dates so that he couldn't do the press. Oh, what? Yeah. As just like a like major fuck spite? you. Like out of spite? I just, I, I always say this, but like, 
if you don't, if you dislike movies yeah. as much as it seems like Harvey Weinstein he likes money. Movies, is the he thing. likes money and power, yeah. and like there are easier ways. Just be in banking. Yeah, go into finance. I so don't know what to tell you. Like part of that big release change is it got carried in only like one one hundredth of the theaters, yeah. so it didn't find an audience, and yeah. then it died. That sucks, yeah. man. That's bullshit. I at least like knowing that there was a reason that nobody knew I about suppose. it. I suppose. That's, that's the one <laughs> nice thing I'll say. Yeah, is that it definitely, it's not because it's a bad movie. <laughs> and the, before I get to the music, because I do want to talk about the music. Sure. Uh, I wanted to talk about Gary Farmer a little bit. Hell yeah. Because he's a local boy, and he has some, some. this might get a little local-ish, but I just think it's interesting too. He's from Fuck a, you guys, Canada exists. <laughs> well, not really, but you know. <laughs> it's fake, but. It's fake, but like it's the, here the area of yes. it exists how do i so he's from central ontario he's from like a couple hours away from where this podcast records yeah he's from cayuga right yeah so yeah, yeah cayuga nation uh which is in the like the broader sense haudenosaunee and iroquois confederacy right i think it's really interesting he talks about how nobody is part of cheyenne culture yeah and uh gary farmer talks about how in the making of this movie, he found, like, immense culture clash. Because, like, none of the mm. stuff he's doing for this movie has anything to do with his heritage. No, they're, like, like directly, not, I guess not opposite points on the map, but, like, but they're, they're so, so far, far apart. Yeah. America's huge. That I just, I wanted to highlight that as a, like, for anybody that ever approaches, or if you just don't know a lot about First Nations culture, it can appear like a monoculture, like a lot well, of Western societies. Presented that way on purpose, right? Yeah. yeah. Where his, his, he had to, like, get coaches, and, like, he went to the nations that were involved and, like, fasted with them for days. Oh, and wow. took their advice, and uh, there's a guy named Jimmy Redcloud that was, like, his big coach in a lot of cultural... First Nations stuff that he didn't know that just like helped him through, which I thought was very, very cool. I just culture coach. Yeah. I I think that's really super interesting. There's so very many problems with tokenism, but like (laughs) it's just not interesting or good or useful to do tokenism because like you can't just throw an indigenous actor at a part and be like, well, it's a native part. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like, do you, re- like, is, is that person familiar with the culture? Like, does that resonate with them? Like, why not make your movie better? But you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know. Try it all. <laughs> yeah. Make any attempt, please. Yeah. Um, anyway. I think it's really interesting that, so I didn't know this about Gary Farmer. He's apparently an amazing harmonicist. Oh, Harmonicaist. All right. So most of the, like, downtime on set was him and Johnny Depp jamming, because Johnny Depp plays guitar. <laughs> right. So they they jam out. That's and uh, Neil Young found out about this, and Gary Farmer and Neil Young became, like, super good buddies. Aw. And Neil Young helped... But uh, he ran a bunch of fundraising campaigns for Gary Farmer oh. to set up the Aboriginal Voices radio network that was in Canada oh, from... Oh, I know about that. Yeah, from like 2002 <laughs> to 2016, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, but Gary Farmer was the founding director of it. Oh, dope. And uh, yeah, Neil Young uh, raised like a couple... Like close to hundred thousand dollars for him just through like charity events and stuff because he was like, yeah, this fucking rules. Let's do it. <laughs> Neil Young grew up like nice. an hour away from where Gary. Yeah, they're both so, like yeah. yeah, they're neighborhood boys. They're buddies. That's so cool. <laughs> they're yeah. Buddies. So I just wanted to mention all that stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gary. That's very cool. Oh, you want to know a super nerd again? This is so local and like <laughs> I I enjoy the the Haudenosaunee confederacy is the like the original six like you know the six when toronto incorporated the six neighborhoods the haudenosaunee confederacy is six nations 
this is more Canadian mm. history, but look it up if you want to. And this sucks. Anyway, <laughs> please continue. So it's not hip and new, it's hip and old. It's hip. <laughs> it's so very old, yes. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned before, and I wanted to talk about the music a little bit. Because yeah. that's quickly becoming more and more what we talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It is very cool. So the soundtrack is entirely Neil Young. It's only Neil Young playing several instruments. He's improvising okay. on all of them. Yeah. Uh, I think, I know for sure it's at least his, like, Old Black is his, like, electric guitar that he plays. Okay. And uh, he plays organ during all of Thel's stuff. There's organ throughout oh, all that. Oh, okay. Uh, he's playing organ. There's some acoustic. And then there's, like, yeah. another electric guitar that isn't Old Black that he's playing okay. at some point. Um, so he improvised everything. And it's not a case of of um, improvised and then reconstructed. It is just he watched the movie through three times and improvised three different soundtracks over it. Yeah. And they picked and choose, chose a few different spots. Okay. But I don't think he improvised over the same bit more than once. So in one run, like, he improvised over oh, the train part. Sure, and sure, then sure. he never played over the train part again. I he, see. Yeah. Okay. So you only have one piece to work with for... You just yeah. decide what gets music and what doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And, like, Jim Jarmusch told him, like, these are the four spots that I definitely want music, but otherwise... Okay. Just rock, man. <laughs> Do your thing. <laughs> That's so cool. So he didn't let the movie stop. He just had it playing. Yeah. And what he did is he rented out a big empty warehouse. Right. He put 20 screens around him 360 degree style. Right. So that he could like, the idea was, oh, if I just have like a different perspective on the thing, it'll help me to write better and I can face different directions. It'll just sure. help with the flow. This is all very... Keep the juices flowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this all feels very naturalistic. And stuff. Fucking dirty hippie. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he had an array of instruments that he just like set around that he would just like run over to the organ and then honk out on the organ and then run over to his guitar and okay. pick it up. And so he has like little stations around the, the warehouse. Sweet. Um, there's no effects work in the post-production, which I thought was interesting because it's very oh. reverby and very distortion and very twangy. Yeah. That's all him doing it with doing pedals, pedals or the acoustic of the space. Oh, very yeah. cool. Okay. It's extremely like, I I feel like even the, like the train wheels yeah. in the beginning, like that feels like the actual rhythm is created by bouncing echoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very neat. And here's where like, uh, I, I really appreciate, there's a couple times where nobody is, maybe just one time, nobody's singing and Neil yeah. Young matches his keys so yeah. that he's like in tune with him and he's, he's accompanying. accompanying him. Yeah. So great. I Aww. love it. So good. I love that. There's a really cool archival recording of him actually recording the soundtrack, <laughs> which is really like... I don't know if this is just music nerd me talking, but it's really interesting to watch him. Like, he's just facing one screen and playing, and then he stops... And he, like, puts his guitar down and he turns, like, 180 degrees and grabs a different guitar and is playing to another screen and, like, stops, like, no, that's no good. He puts that guitar oh. down. He walks over to the organ when Thel's stuff starts and starts playing and you can see he's really into that. Yeah. It's just, it feels really, like, it doesn't have a frantic energy, but it's so much more energized than the performance sounds like <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds would be. You know? very laid back. Yeah. He, yeah, so he's just trying to, like, get wherever the zone is coming from. He's trying to, like, hone in on that. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So he had seen the movie once before he did this, and then he was like, okay, give me 24 hours in a warehouse, and yeah. I'll have a soundtrack <laughs> for you, Jim Jarmusch. How old was he when he did this? This seems like a young oh, man's game. but No, uh, he would have He would have been older. In his at least 40s, right? I don't know how old oh, yeah. he is. Oh, yeah, easily, yeah. Yeah. 
That's so funny. Yeah. So it's it's like, it's not complicated at all how he did, but it is just like, here's musicianship on display. It's just like pure creative energy instead of prescriptive anything, right? Yeah. Just literally play what you feel. Play what you feel. Like, hopefully you're in tune with what I wanted this movie to come out as. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and sure enough, it worked. But yeah. I do think you're right. The We'll hop into all the genre stuff in a second, but people call this... Uh, like acid western and a trippy western stuff mm -hmm. and i honestly think if not for the the soundtrack people would just be like oh this is an art house art house western yeah have, yeah it gets yeah. it gets very hypnotic it sort of makes your sense of time dilate and mm -hmm. shrink and like yeah yeah i think neil young's has a has a huge hand in that being like oh trippy <laughs> like i hypnotic is the perfect word because i was going to mm. say meditative but that's not right because it doesn't it isn't like lean back and disengage and all that. Yeah. It's very like it sucks sucky. you in. Yeah. yeah. Were we about to say the exact same thing at the exact same time? Yep. Weird. Real weird. <laughs> <laughs> Trippy. Oh wow. So, with all that said, it's time for awesome. the final segment for this month. It's your first rodeo. This is me putting it to bed. <laughs> yeah. What's a lullaby version of dare? dare, dare. I think just what you're doing. Happy trails to you. Aw, happy trails to this segment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, so the the last sort of entry, we're almost coming full circle here where we mm. started with Power of the Dog as sort of, sort of a modern Western, like a deconstructed Western. Yeah. And, and we're kind of reaching that, that point back around again here. So the... The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was Italian. Yeah. Um, came out in 66. The crucial thing about spaghetti westerns is they were not American, mm. and so they did not have to abide by the Hayes Code. So that's <laughs> I hate that often fucking code. Goddamn bullshit code. Such a terrible idea. Um, again, if you don't like movies, just don't get involved in movies. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But the, you know, the American westerns did have to. Continue to abide by that. Yeah. yeah. They either had to be very sneaky about it or, like, you know, every time you made one of these things that were, like, vaguely critical of law enforcement or, you know, the accepted morality structure or whatever, you did risk getting pulled up in front of the government and, like, explain yourself. Yeah, like, it becomes a negotiation with censors to get your yeah. implied message through without exactly. them noticing. Yeah, you have to you have to assume that they're not going to pick up on it. And yeah. Sometimes it's easy because you know what they're looking for, which is the bad guy gets punished at the end and anyone who steps outside of, again, that frame framework of like correct way of living mm. is punished and, yeah. and things like that yeah so the westerns that we've done so far power of the dog excluded obviously um three ton to yuma had to abide by that so that's mm. why it's it's a situational morality problem it's not right. you know it and the the good guy does win out in the end or you know he he gets rewarded for doing a good thing and sticking by his guns whatever um italian westerns did not have to do that so they yeah. could they could be fuck the police all they wanted um, <laughs> and they were and they were it was great and dead man is like what 68 was when the code was actually abolished um that sounds right the everything after that was like oh okay now we can like make movies without honestly without the fear of the government being like you can't say that <laughs> um 
And Deadman, I think, takes from that tradition and, and gets to just say, like, okay, here's there's no morality in this wilderness, in yeah. this society, in this, you know, civilization, this infrastructure. Very, there's like, just people floating around. Yeah, forget what you were told. Look at William Blake experiencing this. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just, that's not the message. That's just the premise. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the setting. It's not the Exactly, story. the yeah. setting. So I think of this as an environmental Western. Mm. And between, like, spaghetti Westerns and <laughs> The Power of the Dog, this sort of deconstructed modern Western where yeah. it's just... Yeah, it's set at that time and has to do with those power dynamics or whatever. This is sort of env- an environmental Western to me where it's it's not about, uh, you know, settlers wandering in and imposing a morality framework. And did that framework go well? Yes or no. Right. Which revisionist, revisionist Westerns could play with to yeah. be like, hey, guess what, guys? Sometimes it didn't go well. Oh, no, don't tell anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the judgment of the setting is is a big part of that. Whereas here it's not, you're not judging stuff. You're just experiencing You're just experiencing it. it. Yeah. yeah. Because like, you know, no one was living according to the Hayes Code in the <laughs> 1880s. Like it doesn't, it, that means nothing. Yeah. So this is more of a, you know, Jeremiah Johnson is a big example of this. Of just like, oh, yeah. this is the situation you find yourself in. How do you react to your environment? Um, because you have no control over it. So you only have control over yourself. Yeah. Um, how you interact with other people. How is the environment shaping you? Where mm. classic Westerns are like, we're coming in and we're imposing on the environment and we are right to do it. Revisionist mm. Westerns are... We're coming in. We're imposing on the environment. We might not have been right to do it. Um, it's a bad idea, but it is what it is. <laughs> Spaghetti westerns are just like everyone is awful. <laughs> pew 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 pew. <laughs> and there's no recognizing humanity in anyone because it literally couldn't exist. Environmental westerns, I take, I think, take one step towards the more complex uh, mm. examination of that and are like, sometimes you do have the capability to be a human towards someone. So Dead Man is a great example of this where like nobody has has no reason to help William Blake through his journey to, to the next life. He just feels that it's the right thing to do and that it would, given the hands that he, the hand that he was dealt mm-hmm. in his life, kind of make him whole. Yeah. And so he's he's gathering what he can from his environment to kind of move himself along and mm. like and build bonds with with someone because it came at the right time for him and it, morality really has nothing to do with it it's just him trying to do what you can where you can. Yeah, honestly, you know? I hadn't thought about that lack of... It's not a lack of morality, but a lack of moral judgment, because that is... Yes, uh, there's that's a lot the of, important part. There's a lot of, like, stuff that, if you take it on its own, is reprehensible. Like, uh, I know that Billy Bob Thornton's crew gets painted as they are murderers and yeah. wilderness people, but, like... They just fucking ice them, all three of them, just yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like, oh, that's not great. That's not good. But also, we're not here to judge them. We're just here to watch them go on their merry way. Yeah. yeah. Right or wrong has a lot less to do with how, how these like environmental westerns play out. I'm saying environmental in a yeah. way that makes it sound like it's about Environmentalism, nature. yeah. Yeah, but it, that's not what I mean. I mean, the environment you yeah. find yourself in. That's... We've never talked about this before, but I've not heard that phrase, environmental western. I like oh, that. Like, I don't Jeremiah, know if I made it up or not. I, I'm going to give you credit. Thank you. Congrats on birthing a new subgenre. Um, <laughs> Yet 
another. But I like Jeremiah Johnson for that too. If you haven't seen Jeremiah Johnson, it's basically like mm-hmm. a man goes into the wilderness to make his life out there with like, he starts with no experience. So you just watch him Get learn how to it. do it. Yeah. Uh, and he does stuff that is morally reprehensible at times. He does stuff yep. that is morally good at times. And the upshot is... Here's just a guy surviving. It's not... Yeah. You don't have all those attachments. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even the, you know, in former Westerns, Mm. the wilderness, which we keep saying and isn't entirely right because people lived there. Yeah, I remember but it's we watched, when we watched this the first time, you are like, finally a movie that accurately shows that people are fucking everywhere. Yeah. Even the setting has been that, that old framework of, like, this setting is harsh and forbidding and is bad, mm. and it needs to be either conquered or accept mm. that it will kill you. Neither of those really matter. It's just... You know, it's where even, you are. Yeah, yeah. Even the morality has even been stripped out of the setting <laughs> itself. Mm. So this this is just like completely removed of morality framework. How do people interact? Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm calling this particular genre, which is like post haze code, but not into the full on. Like it, it's not it, a neo western yet, which is what Power of the Dog is, which yeah. is like still playing with those judgments and tropes. Yes, but having a lot more space and like distance to look back on westerns. Yeah. This is just like, oh, finally we can kind of make <laughs> westerns, you know, the way we want to. See, I don't think that these are mutually exclusive, but I think of this as an anti western, which is okay. uh, like it's not the biggest subgenre in the world, but there's like uh, the idea that. The movie exists, not exists to do this, but the the approach to it is a subversion of like all of the Western trips or a mm. refusal of all of them. Sure. I think, I think, yeah, refusal might be the word where it's just like, no, I, I don't even accept the framework. I keep yeah. saying framework, but I like, I don't even accept the infrastructure through <laughs> which you would normally view this setting, these people, this type of interaction. Yeah. Like you're, you're actively going 180 degrees from that yeah like there's the really simple classic stuff that you talked about the Hayes code of like Mm. the good guy always has to win at the end in this movie no he's dead we know he's dead from like minute 10 you know he's dead (laughs) yeah that's the whole point of the movie uh there's all of the like the shit that i know i personally hate and i know a lot of people don't watch westerns because of how (laughs) racist they are uh and this is if I had to assign a purpose to this movie, like not that it needs it or a message or anything like that, it's to, to show that things are, yeah, free of moral judgment. They are more complex than ever anybody really paints them as. Like, yeah. That we're looking at a non-monoculture for the first time that has been assigned as a monoculture in like everything else. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a great way of, yeah, the... Thank you. Combining those two ideas, like the things are too vast and complicated and, and there's too many moving parts to assign any kind of label. A yeah. completely unlabeled um, way of looking at the Old West. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Okay, I think we can, I think anti-Western we can, we can land on is the, the label. That yeah, seems I, good. I know, I know other, I like, I know I want to match you. You had Jeremiah Johnson um, <laughs> example. I want to like match it with another anti-Western, but I can't, I can't think of, I know there are cases like I'm, to, I know that uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is called an anti-Western sometimes. Totally. That's a really good one also, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like, hey, you know, people are just trying to get by. How do they do it? What were you know what actions did people take that we then later like retroactively mm. applied morality to 
Um, there's a term in music, or not a term, but like a saying in music theory, or maybe it was just the professor that I had, <laughs> but the the music always comes first and the theory always comes second. Yeah. Music never f- comes from theory. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, descriptive, yeah. not prescriptive. Exactly. The, People yeah. are going to do stuff and then you have to assign a meaning to it afterwards. Yeah. These Westerns are like, no, you don't, actually. <laughs> You don't actually have to do that. It's not true, by the way. Get out of here. I shit. was just giggling to myself because I naturally, the first anti-Western I pick out is the one that's like, corporate America is destroying the small man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right on the tip of my tongue. Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I mean, I think you can easily, like, you can, uh, you can make, like, Unforgiven is almost an anti-Western, but or mm. no, it's it's not really. It's like it's an example of sort of the aesthetic of that, but yeah. it's still a very like this is bad and this is good. That's bad. This is good. Yeah, it's just that those are flipped from classic westerns. So that's that's a revisionist one. The anti-Westerns right. don't even have that point of reference to hang on to. You know, so, McCabe and Mrs. Miller—they're just trying to set up a town yeah. and like keep a roof over their heads, and no no moral meaning is ascribed to their actions at yeah. all. It's not. <laughs> They're literally just trying to survive in the snow in a big coat. Yes. <laughs> in the greatest coat in cinema history. I will not be taking arguments on this point. Thank you. Dead Man also has a big coat. That's so true. Not oh, as, I love not that. as wonderful, though. Yeah. McCabe and Mrs. Miller was the 70s, too, right? Like, post-Hayes code, just be like, okay, fine. Finally, just show people living, you know? <laughs> Finally. Um, God. I'm such a I'm such a nerd. I was just picturing like you just saying that you know Unforgiven more of a revisionist take than mm. just picturing it like okay now the the garbage test here's 100 westerns assign them their subgenre. <laughs> oh no! I've made homework out of fun. It's my move. You're being so classic western about this. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The worst one. The worst one. Um. <laughs> Nobody likes me. <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, yeah. So that's that's the anti-Western, the environmental anti-Western. Okay. I think that if you like this one, um, or if you other way around, if you if you like the idea of just looking, this is almost westerns for people who don't like westerns. Yeah, because I think anti-Western. Another way you can say it is it's a period drama that happens or a period movie that happens to take place sure. in old westy times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one takes themselves too seriously there's there's just it's just kind of showing things as they were um without without assigning judgment to it um yeah if you don't like the preachy part of westerns classic or revisionist revisionist, and if the just relentless gore and bleakness (laughs) of spaghetti westerns is not really for you and like you know there there's a good deal of racism and sexism in those ones too because you're still operating within the framework of right yep um then definitely like anti-westerns uh give them a try yeah you will almost certainly enjoy them you know depending on the quality of the film but like dead man peak example just so good like the craftsmanship is fucking perfect um so many things to love about it and Mm -hmm. and i think you would really enjoy it if you like 
not westerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is because it's the same. The final recommendation. If you don't like westerns, check out this western. <laughs> Thank you for listening for four weeks. Now <laughs> yeah. you get to watch you not really, westerns. You really, you powered through. <laughs> That's the way, the reason I thought it became Mrs. Miller is because people describe it as a western for people who don't like westerns. Yeah, That's totally. just what an anti-western is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we've come around. We've we did it. done it. <laughs> so yeah, if this is your first rodeo, check out anti-westerns for a, an easy, you know introduction to the genre as a whole quite honestly yeah i agree with that nice nice well happy trails to you your first rodeo i feel like if we if and when we cover more westerns in the future it'll just it'll be a good excuse to bust that back out we can i'm so excited (laughs) i'm never gonna get rid of this sound cue (laughs) uh westerns so Let's uh, go back to talking specifically about Dead Man. What's your What's your big final takeaway from this final Western of this month? Well, I think the um, the bit I was talking about earlier, where it's not really about Johnny Depp's character per yeah. se, even his name, like he's he's being thought of as somebody else when <laughs> a more yeah, interesting person. He's just a cipher. Yeah, exactly. A way more talented and cool guy. Um, the the whole movie is people with far more interesting lives than him kind of revolving around him. Yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting to see him bring all those people together mm. and they would never have interacted otherwise if he hadn't kind of stumbled into their lives. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't belong in any of these, in any of the, we never see him in his natural environment at all. <laughs> Which is a banker in Cleveland. Like, he should be sitting behind a desk and cleaning his glasses, and we never see him. He's on the train, he's uncomfortable, trying to sleep, or he's in the town of Machine, and it's just dirty, and he hates it. and Or he's running for his life through the wilderness, and, like, doesn't speak the language, can't make it. He's, he's just there to kind of give purpose to nobody's... Not even give purpose, but just, like... He's a project for nobody. Yeah, he is. He you is know? absolutely a project. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> he not... can fix him. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it, nobody. <laughs> Never works. Um, he's he's the final nail in the final nail in the coffin. Isn't exactly right, but in the home improvement project of nobody reclaiming kind of his his life and like doing a good thing for fucking once in his you know yeah doing a thing he has control over and he can yes. say he did a good deed. I think that's the the a thing that he has full control over is yeah. the big thing. Like give he, him like yeah, that gives him agency and Yeah. yeah. He, he goes through his brief life history and is just like, oh you've never had the chance to do anything for yourself ever. <laughs> right, exactly. He's constantly like trying to please other people or not even trying to, but he's put in situations where he mm. has to please other people. So so this is like giving him back his power. And I say giving, but it's not even you know, Blake has no control over whether <laughs> but but nobody decides it's time to like, you know, get his life back or whatever. Nice. Um yeah, so it's just kind of a hapless dude traveling through like it's it's not often you just get a complete wiener for a (laughs) a protagonist but we love it when it happens we love a good wiener protag good wiener protag and just that like exploring that feeling of not belonging is Mm. a very interesting like Especially for westerns, where it's very much like you belong on this land, white people. Yeah, I was gonna say that message of like fight for it. A yeah. white person gets to feel it. <laughs> just like no, and and there's no, you know, it just is what it is. You were just born at the wrong time or whatever. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, 
Oh, I do also really like the, just as a total aside, mm. um, and will factor into my choice later too, the Ooh. William Blake is famous for his most famous paintings, I think, in kind of the zeitgeist are around the Book of Revelation. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, the the idea of like here are the steps that it, the apocalypse is going to take, and by the apocalypse we mean it in like the traditional Catholic sense of like yeah. you will finally reach your resting place and all will be right with the hmm. world is what Revelation is like after you undergo these trials, which is just the whole journey of the movie, right? Mm. Just you know, obviously not dogmatic in any way, but it's just he finally he made it all the trials and the monsters and everything that came after him. The monsters, and he had Billy a Bob Thornton, yeah. <laughs> Lance Henriksen. <laughs> I would be terrified, oh quite God. honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I enjoy that. Blake finally gets to the final chapter of Revelation and, you know, sails off into the ocean and knows peace. Nice. Yeah. That's... So, like, strong mythological imagery throughout. Very much, yeah. yeah. Which is very Western of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Love myth. Yeah. Yep. Fold in as many myths as you can. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I think. Sweet. What do you think? Well, I, <laughs> this is such a simplistic take. Like, there is so much layered stuff going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love all of it. This watch through, I was just super duper taken by, uh, <laughs> it is nobody working on a project that is Blake, but, like, yeah. nobody in Blake's cute little buddy friendship is really adorable yeah. to me. Like, it's clear that nobody is very condescending to William Blake for a while. He constantly calls him a stupid fucking white man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he did get shot and then wander into the woods to die. I mean, yeah. that's fair. But it's, it's like, how often do you see, like, a culture clash buddy comedy Western? Like, that's such... <laughs> that isn't horrifying to watch? Yes, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, that that actually allows space for the two buddies to like not be a stereotype yeah the joke's not on either of them per se yeah yeah which i just i like that a lot and like it's it's a very dry script but it is very funny like yeah jim jarmusch has a very a great way of just making deadpan very funny yes (laughs) deadpan for dead man there you go (laughs) yeah i just think it's neat where like in a world here where like I feel like in Westerns, everybody knows everybody. It's very like, oh, everybody mm. in town, like, oh, it's the sheriff. Oh, oh it's the bar Johnny the guy. Kid. Yeah. yeah. And this is just like, who the fuck's that guy? That's nobody. Who's that? <laughs> what are they doing in the woods? Like, nobody knows anybody in this, except these two guys are just like little buddies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're together. just forging a friendship. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, it's now time to choose our double bill or just a recommendation if you like this movie a lot. Uh, where we'd like to point you. Uh, I would like to put the choice up to you. Would you rather go first or have me go first? Oh, I don't know. I'll go first, just to, yeah. Yeah, let it be done. Is this a trick? I just, I feel like I got off my rhythm in the Western month where I'm like, oh, Aaron's hosting the stuff, so I want to take on this. I'm taking your powers away. (laughs) No, it's fine. I'll go first. Uh, I am going to, again, I'm thinking of this as the arty one, where Mm. it's, it's, you know, there's a very... Not external message, but the the presentation is the is the important part. Like the yeah. you know the creativity and the very like the actual skill going into making the movie top fucking yeah. Notch. Like Jim Jarmusch is not turning this out for money. Very clearly, no, yeah, <laughs> and nor did he, which is a shame. But yeah. yeah, so I'm going to pair this with a real trashy movie, um, but also one that has this just very like dry sense of humor. Um, it's a little on the goofy side, yeah. but it's, it's very much about like a guy who is not in his element and needs to, 
needs to like find his way and and get others to help him and just kind of make it to the end of this thing where probably he'll die at the end. <laughs> so I'm going to pair this with Day of the Beast, which is also, <laughs> oh, it's even the, yeah, remembering the movie is funny and makes Nick laugh. This is also uh, from 1995, which I enjoyed. Oh, Same exact, uh, exact year. So this is a Spanish movie. Um, Here's the synopsis that I read. On Christmas Eve, a Spanish priest tries to do as many sins as possible in order to find and kill the Antichrist when the Antichrist is born on Christmas Day. It is a hilarious premise for a movie. It's a very goofy execution. Yes. It's almost slapstick how At much times, yeah, yeah, how much this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's a like Basque Roman Catholic priest. So his idea of like groundbreaking sins are to like steal a wallet from a guy and push a guy into a like into a subway, you know, down the stairs. I, he's just so bad at it. And going to, like, a black metal Yeah, maybe uh, if I listen to store. Black Sabbath, I, I will be bad enough to find the Antichrist. Making the, the shopkeeper play the records backward to yeah. be like, does this one have satanic messages? No, it doesn't they don't sound do that. And he's just so out of his element. But he has to, He it's obviously very, like, mythologically based. Yeah. But the... The upshot is that he does, you know, he collects, like, a group of people who... He manages to convince people that, like, this is a task worth doing, (laughs) I guess. And he he gets, like, the the black metal shopkeeper. New friend. Yeah. And a TV psychic whose whole grift is pretending that he knows the future. Yeah, and just them coming together and being buddies where they would never have been buddies ever in any other version of this life. Um, But yeah, they're both like mythologies about kind of death and what comes after death and like what's, is it good to approach the next life, uh, you know, trying to accomplish something in this world or whatever. Um, There's like oddly a lot of emphasis on kind of how we're taking care of your of of our lives in this world before mm. moving on to the next one you yeah. know what i mean like was it is it worth it for this guy this priest to do all these sins if it means saving the world mm. like is you know and he's yeah, prepared to do it the cost of the human yeah. person yeah to make that happen yeah yeah uh, but there's a lot of just like he's not being both both people are being accepted in their chosen or familial like nations of origin right the church kicks this priest out for being nuts (laughs) and for insisting that the antichrist is coming and that he's deciphered the bible and uh yeah nobody is given a name that means shut the fuck up and get out of here (laughs) you dumb liar (laughs) is not welcome in england or in in his nations of uh his parental nations yeah day of the beast just the first like the first 10, 15 minutes, like the opening and the credits are so funny. It's it's a true gem. Like yeah. it's it's really worth seeing and it's got some some fun effects and it's definitely on the trashier side oh, yeah. of like, you but, know. But it's so fun. It's so fun and it's got that real buddy movie energy to <laughs> yeah, it that I that I enjoy. So if you want a much less um a much more I don't even want to say down to earth that's not entirely right but, no, but like, <laughs> if you want the same energy but goofier <laughs> I would recommend double billing these so start with Dead Man go Day of the Beast afterwards nice recommend like yeah Sweet. yes everyone should watch Day of the Beast that movie rules please do um, 
I dare say I've chosen a goofier and dumber pairing. Oh, God, I'm you. so excited. All uh, right. <laughs> because I'm going purely off of um, the buddy energy to this thing and the counter, or not counterculture, the culture clash sure. elements going on here. And I've been trying to, last week I failed, I've been trying to keep this as a like, oh, if you like this Western, watch this other Western. Sure, yeah. So in this case, I'm recommending another Western. Hey. Uh, and this is another culture clash buddy comedy fish out of watery thing uh in this case i will say there is no message you're just watching people fuck around uh i'm talking about a movie that i don't think is well known i could be wrong uh red sun from 1971 um okay directed by the same guy who did the early james bond movies yeah Um, yeah yeah. so it's like that's very much its sensibility it's just like ursula andrus is in it basically as a bond girl yeah Yeah. Uh, so this is a spaghetti western. It's like it was yeah. international thing out of Italy. Uh, that's way more purposefully international than most spaghetti westerns. Yes. They specifically wrote this movie to get some of the cast on board. So yeah. I'll give you a short the, the synopsis and, and the cast here. In the 1870s, the Japanese ambassador to the U.S. and his entourage travel by train to Washington to l- deliver a ceremonial sword to the president as a gift from the emperor. So... That's already so different from a... This is already so, like, Westerns go overseas. (laughs) Yeah, this is the, like, the fifth sequel where it's... Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The West does Japan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. John Wayne in New York. John Wayne in Tokyo. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Link, who's played by Charles Bronson, and Gauche, who's played by Alain Delon, who's a very famous French actor who I don't know from a lot of stuff other than he is famous. I also like that his name is Gauche and he's left-handed in this. That's very cute. Uh, that's they, so that's such a bond detail. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> they hold up the train, steal the sword, and other things. Um, and in that moving movement, Ghosh betrays Link. Uh, so Link is left behind, and he teams. He, he is going to track the bandits, but he's got to team up with one of the Emperor's samurai, Toshiro Mifune. Hell fucking yeah! <laughs> to get the sword back and to get even with him. Now Toshiro Mifune, he rules. He doesn't yeah. speak a fucking word of English. Nope. He never did. Nope. Uh, and he is, his physicality, and this is so funny, and it is a little, like, joke at the expense of the Japanese, and this is a movie that... Is it? it a, like, a little bit? Not as much as you would think. Yeah. When you think of 70s and... The guy who directed the Bonds. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's it okay. is a fun time. It is basically, like... That's all the plot. And then it's two hours of Mafune pushing around Charles Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It has that, like, well-meaning uh, yes. joke at the expense of where, like, the samurai is, you know, serene and and better at everything than the, like, but he doesn't have the heart of the Western man. You yeah, know what I, mean? I yeah. think that's what it is. Yeah. He, so they have to learn from each other. He's too rigid. He play, yeah. He's a samurai that plays by the books. Oh, God. He's a bandit that... <laughs> It follows his loose punches. cannon, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so oh, I love that movie. Uh, it's it's real dumb. It's a real dumb time. But uh, the thing that I love about that movie too, slapstick, you know, goofiness yeah. aside, is the in the eighteen seventies like. No, it's a little too early. But it's it watching it now is very like these are two empires on the verge of irrelevancy (laughs) yeah you know what i mean like japan 
had had like 50 years for sure to yeah. go. Yeah, the this like these this not even like Japan as a whole but the idea of the samurai yeah, and the okay. idea of the cowboy. Yes. And they're both kind of like you don't have that many years left, buddy. Like you got to <laughs> team up and like, you know, while well, you still can. Yeah. Yeah. On our way out, like we keep saying, slapstick. I will never forget the scene of Mafune in his underwear on a mountain chasing yeah. Charles Bronson around. Like, <laughs> like you could almost put Benny Hill theme over much. a lot of this. Yeah. And I also enjoy uh, just to put a button on our whole, not the whole Western month, but we talked a little bit about uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm-hmm. and how spaghetti western started in emulating. Japanese samurai movies. Yeah, sure. This is 71. It's pretty late in spaghetti westerns. Like, they aren't making money anymore. People are still making them and turning them out. But this is a later one, and it's got a bit of a, like, full circle of, like, well, we'll take a spaghetti western and literally bring the Japanese into it, and the guy that inspired the creation of this genre is one of the stars. Totally. Uh, Yes. Oh, I didn't, I never thought about that yet. Toshiro Mifune finally was cast in a, a western. Yeah. After yeah. inspiring so many. The literal whole Italian genre. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. So I Good will, choice. Yeah. Dead man and then throw in Red Sun afterward and I guess I'll just call him Bosom Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know legally if you can do that. Uh, but uh, we'll find out. It. We'll get legal on this. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's our cat. Legal is our cat. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, this has been a wonderful month of Western movies. Yeah, it's... thank you for letting me yell excitedly about Westerns and, and, yeah, getting into the nitty-gritty of it. It really is a much more varied and interesting, for good or bad, genre <laughs> than, than most people think. Yeah. So do let us know if this has inspired you to check out any Westerns you had kind of put off to, mm-hmm. that you thought might not have been your speed. Even if you didn't like them, you can be like, hey, start, you wasted my time you know with what this sucked? movie. <laughs> just want to know that people are checking them out fair <laughs> just give them a try yeah so you can find us at gartbidge pod on twitter and instagram uh aaron where can people find you uh if they would like they can find me on twitter at macklebase m-a-c-l-e-b-a-s-s and y'all can find me at dick r navis d-i-c-k-r navis and uh please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice to help people find the show that was podcast. very difficult to say podcast <laughs> uh <laughs> And uh, happy trails to you. I hope that you will come on back next time for another pile of garbage.